We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mailbag time, Brian? Mailbag yes, time. and we will have some intel on the site this week, Ryan, from a recruiting standpoint. We don't have a lot of questions so far. Okay. So uh, this, unless people throw in a bunch of new questions, this is going to be a relatively brief mailbag. So let's get okay. right Let's get right to it. Let's My guy it. T. Gunn starting us over, man, with some over-unders. T. Gunn's uh, over-under, four and a half the number of times Pitt's new tight end gets mollywopped by the Notre Dame defense. I'm going over. He won't play. He, I don't, I, he's oh, over Dracovic. Yeah. He, they're, also, they're also like kind of deep at tight end, too, man. I was doing yeah. like research. I'm like, they, Malcolm Epps. Like I was three. like, I didn't realize Malcolm Epps went there. I had no yeah. idea until I looked at their depth chart the other day. I was like, they're like four deep at tight end and they have a very good one. And Gavin Bartholomew yeah. at the top. I'm like, I, yeah, I don't know why you would make a tight end switch right now. No. It doesn't make much sense. No. <laughs> me, and, and I hate because I, I like Phil as a, as a yeah. young man. I, I love that family. You know, I've gotten to know them over the years, but the reality is, when you get benched at quarterback and your response is to, I'm just going to move positions. You, you were, it means you were already done mentally. You were done. And like, cause like to me, it's like if, if Sam Hartman got benched, do you think Sam Hartman's like, ah, go play slot. And he's like, dude, I'm going to go out here and have the best week of practice I've ever had because I want my right. job back. And and I think, right. I just think Phil had been through a lot. Some of it, not his own, not his own doing some of it, his own doing, let's be honest. And I just yep. think he was, he was done. I just think he was done with just being a quarterback and just, I mean, when he's talking about, you know, can't believe people boo some, I mean, when, when you're hearing the boos like that, you're, 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 you're mentally, you're mentally, you're you're not, you're not tapped in, you're tapped into the wrong things at that point. Yeah. yeah. And it's unfortunate, but it, it's just, that's the reality. It's very unfortunate because last year before the season started, there were some third and fourth round grades on Phil Dracovic at quarterback, yep. and he has, I want to say sabotaged himself, but like he hasn't helped himself at no. all in any no. situation here. So no, and then look, if if you know teams could look at the film and say, hey, look, he plays on a bad team, his offensive line stinks, and and they could maybe get past some of that stuff. But when when you're then showing that up here, you're just not yeah. there. It's um it's a it's that's what that's what's going to play people he didn't play he didn't play against wake last week at tight end 
I yep. don't anticipate him playing at Notre Dame. Like, are they if they're trying to beat Notre Dame? You're telling me they're going to put Phil Dracovic on the field at tight end over Malcolm Epps or, you know, or some of the other guys they have, Carter Johnson, those other guys. No, they're not going to do that. They're not going to yep. do that. It's not going to help them so, win. It's not going to no. help them win. No, no. Which means he will have missed the last two attempts to play against Notre Dame. So, it, it is what it is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We had Andre Tonsil says, is Notre Dame the best two-loss team? I have them ranked the highest as my it's them and LSU are clearly the two best two loss teams in college football right now, Ryan, in my opinion. And so I have Notre Dame ahead of LSU for a couple reasons. I think they have better wins. Their overall resume is better. They're polar opposite team too, man. LSU is a very offensive driven team. Notre Dame is a very defensive driven team right now. I'm going to say this, Ryan. If you could put LSU's offense with Notre Dame's defense, they're national champs. I'm dead serious. Like nobody beats them. Nobody yep. beats them. So, um, yeah, it, the, you are correct. They're polar opposites. But those are the two best two-loss teams to me. I have Notre Dame as the the highest-ranked two-loss team. I have them at 11th in the polls. I think I have LSU at like 16. And then LSU's got Bama coming up, coming up in a couple weeks. So they're going to get a chance to boost their resume a little bit in that regard as well. So, But, yeah, I have, uh, I have Notre Dame as the best two-loss team. Ryan. I heard there was a projection for a bowl game of Notre Dame versus LSU, which would be very interesting. Yeah, and it was the uh, ReliaQuest Bowl, which is the Something old Outback like Bowl, yeah. right? Somebody, somebody was like on the on Twitter was like, I, I don't want to play LSU in some obscure like low bowl, and I'm like, it's actually not a low bowl. It's actually kind of a big bowl. It's the <laughs> it's Outback, Outback Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. But these bowls are changing names so much. It's like I've never heard of that bowl. Must not mean anything. Yeah. It's like, well, it used <laughs> to be a big bowl, like the sure. Pop Tarts Bowl. Like my own plane is stinking pop tarts. What's well, a lame name? But this is the Champ Sports Bowl. This is the camping. This is the um the Camping World Bowl. This is the bowl that they yeah. played Florida State in a few years ago, and then in Iowa State in 2019. So they just keep changing their names, and it just become lamer and lamer. So uh, you I want know. some pop tarts now. 
Yeah, I'm like, look, I'm. I mean, if y'all are gonna, I'm. I'm just still ticked at the Pop Tarts Bowl because it was the Cheez Its Bowl, and my dream was always to cover the Cheez Its Bowl once and get up like a bunch of my. I had this vision in my head that they were we're gonna get there and our whole swag, you know, because media a lot of times they'll get like we'll get like a swag pack as well. I'm yep. just like just a box of like bunch of Cheez-Its. different types of Cheez Its, <laughs> but now it's Pop Tarts. I'm like, I don't have a Pop. Forty five years old, man. I'm not getting Pop Tarts, but then <laughs> I would eat them. I'd still eat them. Yeah. We had a super chat from Tyler Evans. Thank you so much, Tyler. So what did you think of, of my Mike Elko national? Uh, wait, not putting Mike, oh, Michael, was, not putting Riley. Leonard. Oh, not putting Riley Leonard back in the game, even though Riley wanted to get back in the game. Look, I, I'll say this. This is, this is my take on Riley Leonard right now. Riley Leonard should not be playing folks. Uh, right. it, look, it's not even the high ankle sprain. I'm here to tell you, and I'm not going to put it out in the universe because it's not being put out in the universe. There's a lot more injuries behind the scenes on Riley Leonard right now than just a high ankle sprain. Okay. And yeah. that kid should not be playing football right now. Just Agree. Agree. And props to Riley Leonard for toughing it out and playing on Saturday night. And props to Mike Elko for not putting him back in the game. Because Mike Elko knew what was about to happen by that with that decision. He knew. He knew they were going to be Florida State with that with, with that kid at quarterback. He knew that. But yeah. at the end of the day, yeah, it's a team game, but I'm not risking this kid's because I'm going to need this kid to win more games this year. Yeah. Right. And uh I I I I gained a lot of respect for both of those competitors this weekend, Ryan. I gained a lot of respect yeah. for Ryan because you could tell from the beginning Ryan Leonard was not the same. And he's still he's out there not. juking dudes and making plays and and uh but when he and he wasn't like his numbers passing weren't great but he made a couple really clutch throws but you had to respect the passing game when he was in the game once that was gone they shut they just shut the duke run game down because it's like i dare you to have this kid throw the football and yeah. and the only the only thing i really had a beef with with coach elko on saturday night was when leonard was out and it was fourth down and you're up 20 to 17 you needed to take the points. Just get some something positive from your football team. When he decided not to do that, and Florida State gets the ball at their own at the four yard line, they go all the way down the field score. It was ball game. Game's over. Yeah. But um, I gained a lot of respect for Coach Elko because it would have been easy. You know, he knew Ryan. You could, you know, he knew this. There's yeah. no way they're beating Florida State with Riley Leonard not playing. None. Oh yeah. And he no. made the decision anyway. I mean, it, it was cool that they beat NC State twenty-four to three without Riley last week, but it's like that's not sustainable, guys. Like you're not going to do it's that against Florida against State. State. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, you know, it was unfortunate that what was a great game up until that point became a not very great game. The minute he got hurt, and that's the problem with teams like Duke. Ryan is you just don't have the depth to overcome the loss of a quarterback like that. You just, yep. you just don't. And it's unfortunate, but I, I I think he made the right call. It sounds like you do as well. Not putting. Yeah, him I, I mean, honestly, like I I think you need to save Riley Leonard from himself right now. To be honest with you, like I I if I was Miguel Co, I might shut him down for a couple of weeks as well, and maybe down the stretch, maybe if he's a little like that kid's beat up, man, he should not be playing right now. Just shouldn't. So yeah. Then who who do they have the next? I'm pulling up their schedule. They have Louisville this weekend at Louisville. Then they're home against right. Wake. And then they have uh, they play Wake on a short week, so yeah. it's going to be tough to have him for the next couple of weeks. Maybe you can get him back, maybe for the North Carolina game on the road, but yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah. But man, it's unfortunate, very unfortunate. Benjamin Weiss with a super chat. Thank you so much, Benjamin. Appreciate it. 
How big of a super chat to recruit the game time ad for a Michigan Spygate reference? Recut oh, the man. game time ad. I'll recut yeah, it. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I wish I could do that, man. I would gladly <sighs> do that. But uh, I, that so the super chat, the the we have a uh, one of our advertisers, Ryan, is game time. And I actually have used them. I bought Clemson tickets for my parents using game time. It's actually a pretty easy feature. But, uh, you know, I have to cut a new ad every week, kind of. So the la- I did last week is one for like Pitt and the Pitt and USC, the Pitt and uh, Clemson games. And so use it. I think he's wanting me to like cut it. We're like, you know, if, if you're, uh, you're looking for last minute tickets, if you're a Michigan staffer and you're looking for tickets to this week's Ohio State game, you know what I mean? Like, that'd be God. great. That God. would be great. But yes, Michigan, uh, Michigan staffers looking to cheat. If you guys are looking for an easy way to buy tickets to games, use game time. GameTime.co is where you can go uh, for uh, for your advertisement. There's no doubt. What what a, what a mess that whole situation is. Right yeah, now, man. I, I believe we have some questions on it, Ryan. Uh, so yeah. uh, we will have a chance to talk about that when we get there. Uh, my guy Raymond Harton's mad at me. <laughs> Raymond said, and thank you so much for the super chat, Raymond. Shame on you, Brian. Pop tarts are awesome. Great week to get right. Go Irish, beat Pitt. They are awesome, but I feel like they sh- they're for kids. And I just always feel like a child whenever I eat them. So, but well, no, they are very awesome. bad for the figure, Raymond. They're very, very bad unhealthy. For the figure, yes, yeah. very unhealthy. But no, you never heard me say Pop Tarts don't taste great. That's the problem. But yes, I just I can't eat Pop Tarts, man. I just can't do it. There was a one cafe. I forget where I was, but they actually made like their own Pop Tarts. Like really? they made them in this, and it was actually delicious, and it was a lot healthier than the pop tarts you get off the shelf. So, yeah. yeah. My mom makes toaster strudels. Somebody's talking about that. I bet Ryan is a toaster toaster strudel dude. Eh, I don't know if Ryan is, but my mom makes good. those and they're phenomenal. So, yes. Yes. I will Toaster I will, strudels uh, are good. They're good. Yeah. I, I will dig yeah. that. Wait, Andrew Kenny with the question, what team would you guys most want to see Notre Dame play in a New Year's Six game this year now that we are out of the playoff conversation? We talked a little about this yesterday, Ryan. I mean, to me, it's it's Bama would be one, and then either Texas or Oklahoma. You know, I want to play a name team, ideally, in a New Year's Six. Bama would be a great one. I think Notre Dame could match up relatively well against Bama, and uh, that would be one I would want to see. Now, I'd be a little bit nervous about Notre Dame's skill players against Bama's secondary. That'd be a little bit concerning for me. But I also think Notre Dame would have a shot to keep Bama in check. But, uh, you know, because that's that's the top chance for you to get like that statement win. Not only do you get a New Year's Six win, I hopefully you're also playing one of the, the power teams that's considered to be ahead of you. So that's who I would like to see. But honestly, I said this yesterday, Ryan, with the suspense, their names won a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't care if they get Air Force. I don't care if they get a group of five team. I don't care who they get. Just win and get that. Just get that over with. So that's one less thing that I got to hear from people one, about. One, one monkey off the back. Exactly. exactly. I agree. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. Oklahoma would be very interesting, though. I would actually love that because I've grown a distaste for Oklahoma football. So very. We fun. are on the same page on that, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely on the same page on that. I'm going to ask this one, Ryan, because this is more for yeah. you. Uh, Andre Tonsilask is recruiting on schedule for 2025 and beyond. I think 2025 recruiting is in a very good spot, Andre, because I would say this. I mean, you have your quarterback in the class, which is very important this time of the year. Big time quarterback. Yes. You have a legitimate five-star talent at quarterback as long as he continues to develop and hits his upside. 
and you are filling out the class very well. I mean, you already have three different three defensive linemen in the class. You already have two running backs in the class. You have your tight end in the class. You know Deuce Knight is going to get some offensive linemen and some wide receivers to come to town. You know guys like C.J. May on the defensive side of the football are going to recruit their tails off on the defensive side of the football as well along with Deuce Knight. So I think you're in a tremendous spot in 2025 because I think more than anything, Brian, like you've hit on a couple of key positions early. Like you have a big-time quarterback. You have a big-time Viper in the class. You have the tight end to, to make up for Nate Roberts decommitting. But a couple of your top guys, I'm speaking mostly about I'm speaking mostly about Deuce Knight and CJ May, but they're big time recruiters too, guys. Like they are going to be nonstop with trying to get kids to come into the 2025 class. So not only are you off to a good start to having just some great players in the class, some great recruits in the class, I think you also have the right type of early commits in the class as mm-hmm. well that are going to recruit their tails off. So I'm excited about it, man. I've heard a lot about Davion talking to kids too. Yeah, he's got that Florida, got yeah. that Florida swagger on him. Yeah, yep. I can see that. Yep. yep. So that's that's something that you hope is helpful for them is having kids yep. like that. But that's that, Justin you, Thurman's very outward as well as far as his your approach. Point, though, Ryan, where are they from? They're from yep. Alabama, Florida, Florida, right? Like, and you also uh, Mississippi. Obviously, Deuce yep. is from Mississippi. So you got Southern Alabama. kids. They're going to be playing on the seven on seven circuit in with Southern yep. players. But you also have Joseph Reef, who's from Illinois. You know, you've got a kid from Arkansas. I mean, most of your class right now is Southern kids, and that's not normal. Normally, when Notre Dame fills up early, it's normal. I mean, Cam, you think about like some of the kids that they were early commitments in the 24 class it was like CJ Carr, it mm-hmm. was Brandon Davis Swain, it was Owen, it was Owen Wafels from Jersey, Cam Williams from, from Illinois. It's like mostly Northern kids. And then the Southern kids, West Coast kids, and all that came on later. This class, it's like you're starting it off with the Southern kids. And. Because your running backs are your quarterbacks from Mississippi, your running backs are from Arkansas and Florida, your tight ends from Wisconsin. So that's a northern kid. Your sure. defensive linemen are from Alabama, Florida, and Illinois. So mm-hmm. you've got some northern kids, but it's mostly five of your seven are southern kids. Yep. That helps, in my okay. opinion. That helps. And and, li- and literally when you literally have just your last two kids are the northern kids too. Literally with Nate Robertsy committing all five of your first commits in the class quote unquote were southern kids all of them were southern kids so yeah man they are it's very interesting to watch the 2025 class man because notre dame is hitting some areas that they've struggled to in the past which is big early time for them. Big yeah time. At, and at position at a couple at, at least a couple positions they've struggled to yep. recruit that that region at those quarterback has mostly yep. been northern kids and then defensive tackle getting a bit of big three getting, plus pounder Getting an edge player who had a lot of SEC offers out of the state of Alabama was pretty dang impressive, man, for C.J. May. Here's the other thing, too, about that, Ryan, is you're talking about a kid that – what did he say? You interviewed him. What did he tell you? Was a big reason that ultimately – I mean, he always liked Notre Dame. He'd been here before. He'd visited before Deuce was here, right? Like So, I mean, C.J. May already had – He was. He was training towards Notre Dame, but Deuce Knight like was like, okay, it's over now. Undy. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it's done. It's yeah. a defensive end that's committing that's Notre Dame because of Deuce Knight. This yeah. is a kid, right? To your point, just because I, I like supporting points with facts. Okay. You said that he had a lot of SEC offers. Would you consider this an, an impressive SEC offer list, Ryan? Georgia, Tennessee, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Auburn, and Arkansas, plus. Clemson, Miami, and Penn State, would you consider that an impressive early offer list? Good, man. I'd say good. so. 
yeah, yeah. a lot good. of schools that do pretty well developing <laughs> edge players too so, exactly yes. exactly yeah. um so yeah a really good start and w- this will be part of the intel that we'll have is there's some really highly ranked kids from parts of the country that that you that they're re- in a really good position with yep uh and and so ryan and ryan and i have been doing a lot of digging into just that because we wanted to get an intel piece out coming out of the buy so we'll have something like that come out either today or tomorrow we're just gathering a little bit more intel so you're but hey ryan you got to be a message board member to get that buddy so sign up for the message board at boards.rspec.com. I'm going to bring this one up too, Ryan, because this is also for you from uh, T. Smith, 0323. Thank you for the question. He says, Ryan, could you see Jim Harbaugh or Lincoln Riley taking the Chargers job if it opens up this season? I thought the Chargers were had been doing pretty good previous to this year. I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention, but now uh, I, I, they've, I been, keep, they've been. So like they have a lot at- of. They have a lot of talents, but Brandon Staley is notorious for making some very bad decisions okay. and very so bad times. Isn't he so. a? Didn't you say he's a very uh, analytics-driven guy? Okay, so he was the so defensive I, coordinator for the Rams. I think he's a really good defensive mind, but analytically, he chooses the wrong thing to do in the wrong times, like really going like forward on fourth down and like now, third. Right? What's that? Something like that. They're like two and four now, right Something now. Something like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They have a lot of so talent, though, man. Like. Justin Herbert's good. Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Rashawn Slater at left tackle. I saw Joey Bosa on defense. Mike Williams. I think he's a little banged up right now, but like, yeah, they got Mike Williams. Like they have a lot of talent on that Chargers roster. It's just haven't been able to put it together under this coaching staff right now. So uh, T Smith, to your question, I do think because usually teams do the reverse of what they did on a previous regime, right? So right now they have a defensive coach. So I think they would go more of an offensively driven staff next. So Lincoln Riley would make sense as far as being that offensive mind. And he wouldn't have to I think move. Jim Harbaugh would make sense too, because obviously he's a he's got the California ties, obviously for his time at San Diego and at Stanford and that type and of the thing. Niners. So yeah. So I don't know if it's those team two teams in general, but like uh, two player two coaches in general. But I think your mind is a hundred percent in the right places. I would be shocked if if they let go of Brandon Staley if the Chargers don't go offensive coach route next. I would be very surprised about that. Do you think take feelings about USC aside, Ryan? Just look at this as yeah. an analyst who follows the NFL. I don't, so I'm. This is a genuine question. Do yeah. you think Lincoln Riley could be successful in the National Football League as a head coach? No, nah, I mean, offensive coordinator, yeah. I think that he's just going to have – I mean, if if he was going to be my head coach in the NFL, I would have to have as an owner control over who you're hiring as a defensive staff and as a defensive coach. If he gets out of his own way, maybe. But, like, offensive coordinator-wise, if Lincoln Rutherford wants to come on, call my offense, sure. Come on, Lincoln. We can we can do that, man. Coach, uh, college-wise, NFL-wise, absolutely. But, like – I feel like he would get in his own way as a head coach okay. a little bit too much personally. So uh, if you were an owner and you yep. felt you had a really good GM and mm-hmm. and Lincoln Riley said, okay, here's who my D coordinator is going to be. And you felt like, okay, this guy knows how to run a defense. Yeah. You're saying then, then if, maybe you, if you could, if you could partner him as a head coach and he runs the same offensive system and he's able to really take that to the next level and you have a little bit more control over what the defensive coordinator is. Like and Vic Fangio okay type it. of guy or something like right. that. Yeah. If he's And if Lincoln Riley signs off on it, I would be like, okay, I think this could work, right? But if he wants all control over his complete staff, I'd be like, mm, don't know about that yeah. guy. Like, don't know about that. Yeah. I would have my – I, 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 would, I would not be comfortable with that personally. Yeah. 
I like that Drew, Drew Tranquil had a big sack against the Chargers this past weekend. I, I did appreciate that, by the way. Yes, he did. He, he was pretty fired up about that. It was good seeing him. I, I, I knew he was with the Chiefs, but I had I said I don't watch football, uh, yeah. NFL football. Um, I was happy to see him wearing number 23 again. It just looked he just looked so weird with number 49. It just 49, yeah. It didn't look yeah. right. So it was good to see him <laughs> see him doing that. So okay, thank you for that answer, Ryan. Like I said, I could not answer that one. We had a question from Andre Thompson who said which side of the ball needs to dominate in the last five games? I think offense, I need the wide receivers to get better with execution on plays. Well, they if we're just talking about winning, they just need the defense to keep dominating because then it's just kind of like if the offense, Ryan, if the defense dominates the next four games and the offense just keeps doing what they've been doing, Notre Dame's going to go 4 0. I right. mean, there's. But if we're talking about you know the original premise of the question and uh, of the of the show and Andre, where I think the premise of your question's coming from, it, it comes down to offense. You're you're spot on, Andre. I mean, look, if yeah. we're talking about this Notre Dame team taking a jump and not just winning games because you're just better than the other team, but actually growth. The word Ryan used at the beginning is it is it going to show growth as a program? Are we going to go in the offseason feeling really good about this team? Hey, they got Bam in a match in a, in a bowl game. Well, if it's just keep doing what you're doing on both sides of the ball, it's like uh uh, they're you know, yeah, they're not going to get blown out by Bama, but they're probably going to lose, you know, 21 to 17, 20 to sure. 17 or something like that. Right. Like, yeah. But if, if you say, boy, you got Bama coming up and like, man, the way our offense is playing with how dominant our defense has been, boy, man, I, I want this smoke. That right. that's the two different things. And for that to happen, Andre, you're spot on. It's, it's the, it's the offense and it, and it's not just receivers. It's, it's receivers. It's quarterback. It's, it's offensive line. It's all of those groups have got to play better. And here, here's – tight ends keep doing what you're doing. Because you know what I've loved about the tight end group? It seems like in Mitchell Levin's mo- least effective pass game, pass catching games have been his best run blocking games. Like So it's like you're seeing that group like, hey, even though we're not catching balls today, we're still helping. We're still right. making plays. Holden Stace did like almost nothing in the pass game against Duke. But who had the first key block on the game-winning touchdown run? holding stace sure. right so i feel like that group has given me what i need for the most part running back has given me what i need when they're utilized now it comes down to maybe using better o-line receiver quarterback to me that's the order of what i need to step up in these next three games because i'd put offensive line ahead of receivers yes the receivers got to get better but notre dame still an o-line driven team you can't be the dominant unit you expect to be if the offensive line doesn't play better and play more consistently right. better. Right. That's the key for me. Offense would be my answer too, Andre, because I also think that defense has been so consistent this year that I don't really have – I'm not worried about a drop-off the last five games as far as defensively. I think they're just going to be able to maintain it. Offensively, that's the side of the football that has the most concern and the most question marks moving forward. And if you're able to show that you are able to grow and to make those moves – then that leads even more outside of just the next five games to the off season of like, Hey man, like we're starting to get to that spot now, right? That growth is coming. So I think offensively absolutely is my answer. And I need to see growth on that side of the football defense. I just need to see exactly what I've seen. I don't need to see them grow. Like I need to see them, right. be what they are offensively. I need to see a lot of growth. Right. Cause like when we talk about defense, like, yeah, get better in the run game, get around third down, sure. but that's like, that's like, okay, that's the one thing you have been really good at this year. Right. Right. It, it's it's not like, man, if they don't get better in the run defense and third down, they're gonna they're gonna drop a couple games or a game or no, that's not it. If they lose in the next four games, it's probably because the offense 
right. has another meltdown. That's probably yeah. what happens because that's the only reason yeah. they've lost the first two games. I mean, honestly, you lose, you lose yeah, like the, I didn't like the third 19 call. You got to pick off that pass. Ramon Henderson's got to play that ball better, but the, it should have never come to that. Right. If the right. offense would have done what they need to do, it never would have come to that. Louisville, same thing. You, you had a chance to be up on Louisville by 17, 20 points, you know, 14 at the least. If yep. your offense just does what it, it should have been doing. And, um, you know, so that's the side of the ball that, that really, really step up. I love this comment here, Ryan, uh, from Raymond. I'm trying, I'm trying to find it. He basically was like, um, talking about pop tarts. He was like, shame on me for the pop tarts. I can't find his comment, but he was like, that's why he ordered a three X of the pullover. Cause oh, he's eating pop tarts. Yeah. <laughs> Very well played yeah. Raymond. Oh, here it is. He goes, that's why I had to order a three XL IB pullover. <laughs> so, nice, nice. I mean, I used to eat a lot of pop tarts when I was yeah. young, man. I used to eat a yeah. whole lot of pop tarts, but yep. yeah, yep. All right, and then uh, let's go down here to Joe Medina. Joe says, "How big of an influence do you think Marcus Freeman has on the defensive game plan versus USC? The aggressiveness shown by the D was reminiscent of the defenses in Marcus Freeman's Cincinnati years and his only year as the Notre Dame coordinator." I, I I believe Marcus Freeman had a role in this regard, Ryan. I think he had a, a, a role in, 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 and I go, and the reason I say this is I go back to the interview I did with coach Freeman this summer. And I sat down with coach and I, and I talked about specifically about the USC game. And he talked about how they, they didn't like the game plan. They went back and they looked and like, they didn't like the game plan. Now to a degree, you, you I think they felt they had to do that because you, you didn't have Cam Hart who just got hurt the week before you don't have Tariq Bracey, who who's out that game and and had played, so it was a little bit unexpected. They hoped that he could play that game, so you kind of had to go away from who what had got you there defensively. But they they ran a very passive game plan. It was kind of like you know don't let Caleb Williams beat you. They weren't aggressive. They didn't attack. And Coach Freeman basically was like, yeah, we're not we didn't like that. That's not who we are. Uh, we're we're not going to do that again. So I think Coach Freeman had a, a hand in saying, hey, look, we need to be aggressive. We need to attack. We need to do these type of things. But it was Joe, it was Al Golden who came up with the specific plan. So does Marcus Freeman have influence on the defense from a, hey, we, we need to be more aggressive. We need to do this. Yes, he does. But at the same time, it's Al Golden putting the game plan together. It's Al Golden, you know, doing the coaching during the week. It's Al Golden that was basically came up with how they were going to attack. Right. So I do believe that Marcus Freeman's role was, hey, we need to be aggressive here. We need to attack. I wish he would allow the offensive coaches to be more that way. Uh, but that's sometimes what you get with defensive coaches. But he he, he said, hey, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to attack. We're not going to sit back and play passive football again. But it was up to Coach Golden to put that plan together. And he did. Him and the entire staff put that plan together and he called a great game. It was a great game plan. Great execution of that game plan. Uh, great in-game adjustments, great in-game play calling. It was it was out, out, absolutely outstanding. And when you consider that, you know, like I said, USC's last touchdown came on a 18-play drive or 18-yard drive because of the punt return. It puts it even greater context. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the influence is more philosophical. The rest of it is up to is is on Al Golden. That's um, that's where that one should be. Scotty G asks, what did you guys make of Tobias being moved down in the depth chart after what Marcus Freeman had to say on Monday? I know he will still be on the field, but was surprised after his comments. I, here's the thing. All the depth chart did was finally catch up to what had already been happening on the field. I mean, Tobias Merriweather hadn't started the last two games. So yeah. it, it's more of a reflection of that. But at the same time, 
I, I, I don't, I mean, Tobias has got to earn that spot back, you know what I mean? And so, but having him number two in the depth chart, right. doesn't mean he's not going to play number right. one. I think the depth chart was more finally catching up to what had already been happening on the field. Same with tight end. We'd already had Eli Raritan ahead of Davis Sherwood. We already had uh, Cooper Flanagan was kind of playing next. We haven't seen Davis Sherwood. I, from what I can remember, I don't remember seeing him much at all against Duke. I think the Ohio State games last time I really remember seeing much of Davis Sherwood. I, I, barely, I barely remember him from uh, his touchdown catch earlier this year, right? Like, yeah. Even touch yeah. Well, he had a he did he had a miss block yeah. on the fourth and the fourth down run against um, Ohio State. Yeah. He he turned loose and tried to get free instead of just turning around and blocking. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that was a, a big mistake by him. But since then, I. I I haven't noticed him. I'm not saying he hasn't played. I'm just saying I haven't noticed right. him. Right. But the last couple games, especially, I, I know he hasn't played a ton, and he's missed two games. So there's two games he hasn't played, and I don't know if he's injured or what. But um, uh, PFF doesn't have him playing offense a single snap on offense the last two games. I'm actually going to go look in special teams. He did play special teams against both teams, so he's not injured. He's just not part of the offense anymore. So again, that's a reflect that just now got updated. Eli Raritan and Cooper Flanagan just now got put on the depth chart. And so it's it's more of the depth charts finally catching up to what the reality already is. Yeah. But even specifically to the point, Ryan, yes, it's good. They've got to get Tobias more involved. I think that's my personal opinion. They need to. It was great to hear that from Coach Freeman. I talked to some sources that said the same thing. But Tobias is still going to go out there and show it during the week of practice that he can make those plays. Because if if a guy's not making plays on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, how fired up are you going to be as a quarterback to make those throws to him on Saturday? And so he's got to earn that. And honestly, I don't care if he starts or not. I just, he just needs to be part of the game plan. That's all I care about. He's also only a sophomore, man. Like he just needs some confidence and he start getting his mojo back a little bit. Like I mentioned mojo with a six year senior in, in Sam Hartman, but Tobias needs to get his mojo back too, mm-hmm. man. Like the swagger's lost a little bit and it's not fully his fault, but like he needs attention to detail and he needs to finish plays. Like he needs to do those mm-hmm. things. So, it only takes one big game for her to get back in the good graces, though. So hopefully he gets right. an opportunity. I'll ask this one, Ryan, because it's for you from Kaiser Soze. So he's taking a break from his evil mastermindery <laughs> to ask questions about recruiting. And it says, yeah. guys, how have you have you seen usual suspects? I have. Yes. Okay, have. good. Yep. yep. Uh guys, how are we on D line recruiting? So, Ryan, I would like for you yep. to address this since he didn't say specifically. I would like for you to address this from a 24 and a 25 standpoint, just kind of where things stand overall, just big picture. I mean, so 2024 class has been pretty much solidified for a while now. You have obviously the three defensive ends in the class and Bryce Young, Cole Mullins, and Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas projecting as the Viper. And I think Cole Mullins, Viper early on, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was a strong side end at some point in his career as that big end. And Bryce Young as the strong side end as well that maybe could be an inside player eventually. We'll see how that transformation happens. And then you have Sean Sevillano as your lone interior player. We have known that Notre Dame is continuing to keep their eyes open for interior defensive linemen like Nandi Boko, who, who visited a, a few weeks ago, the Georgia commit for the Ohio State game. We know that Notre Dame is keeping their eyes open for another interior defensive lineman in the class. We'll see if that if they're able to get one into the class or not. But, I mean, ultimately, I feel a lot better about defensive line recruiting than I did before the season, to be honest, because guys like Bryce Young, Logan Thomas, have taken massive steps as seniors. I mean, Bryce Young is a legitimate top 100 player. I'd argue that he might be a top 50 player when all is said and done, if he continues the maturation, because he's also going to be down 
in San Antonio for the All-American Bowl now. So he now has the all-star opportunity to showcase that he can do it against the best of the best, even though he already has – I mean, he, he played really well against David Sanders Jr. a couple of weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. like, he's done it against some pretty Who's dang what, good players. The number one O tackle in the 25 class, right? He, he has an Top argument five overall as the, player. I, he has an argument as maybe the best player in that class, man. Like, he, the argument's on the table. I mean, he's a really, really good football player. So, yeah, Bryce Young's taking a massive leap. Logan Thomas is getting longer. He's maintaining explosiveness. He's adding weight to his frame. He looks really good for St. Edward in the state of Ohio as well. So you he's need to recruit. He's so raw too, Ryan. Like, that's yeah, the crazy really thing. Is. Like, he has so much room to still get better. So and he's still producing, room. man, against you know, really good else, teams too. You know, something yeah. else good about the 24 class? Yeah, I hate to say this because of the injury, but because of the injury, you're not seeing a bunch of SEC schools making a run at Cole Mullins right now, which is big because he's kind of been thrown under the radar because of the injury, but that's another very talented football player in that class. Yep. Yep. So I think you missed out on, you know, I think another interior defensive lineman should still be something that you should keep searching for. And I think Notre Dame is keeping their eyes open for the 2025 class. You're in a tremendous spot early. I mean, you really are. I mean, you already have three defensive linemen committed in the 2025 class for Notre Dame. Davion Dixon as the pure interior player. You also have Joseph Reef, who I think could project potentially to inside long term, but he could also play big ends, might be a guy that can move inside. And you have a big time Viper prospect in in CJ May in the class as well. So from there, it's about, hey, Christopher Burgess, a couple other Viper options that might be on the board. Like Damian Shanklin. Come on down, man. Yep. Damian Shanklin is a Viper. I I will say this too, Ryan, talking to some people. Don't be shocked if CJ May outgrows Viper. I'm I'm already hearing that because like they love his frame. He's like six four plus already, long arms, like really big feet. Like Joseph Reef, I was told has like size sixteen feet and like really broad shoulders. So like he's really those are two kids. Too. Yeah, that the staff thinks over the next couple of years and then the college are going to put a lot of size and strength on. Yep. So, um, but yeah, Damian Shanklin's one obviously, and then Ryan will have some features coming out over the next couple of weeks on a lot of the other guys as we kind of solidify the board on that yep. but i mean it's it's edge guys ryan that's really where the focus is right now for notre dame and yep. here's one thing that's very clear from what we've seen one thing that we know al washington likes a lot two things length. i've learned about al washington length yes he <laughs> loves length yes. and the other one is he likes he's kind of got some lou holtz type of thing he likes getting like linebackers that you turn to vipers vipers that you grow yep. into big ends big ends you grow into d tackles because he Dang wants it. long and he wants length and he wants athleticism. He wants to be a penetrating, attacking D-line coach. Yep. And I think that's what you're seeing his in. I think something he's been fighting for with the D-line this season is like, let's let these guys loose a little bit. And as we've seen Al Golden do that, you're seeing that group take over. And it's it's not just one guy. Like Notre Dame doesn't have one great disruptive player. It's just all the starters and they're throwing waves people you bring in Gabriel Rubio he makes huge plays you bring in Nana he's making plays now I mean so uh, he loves length and he loves kind of he wants to be he wants guys that are athletic and that's kind of how he he sees getting them but yeah um it's yeah I, I'm with you Ryan I, I like with that and here's the here's the only thing that stinks the 25 class from what I can tell so far not yeah. a very good D tackle class Yep, and the and the well, guys that I really like, like Jark West Carter, they're just undersized guys. And Notre Dame per, wants a little bit more beef, length, and beef. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's kind of what they're looking for. Yeah. So, well, the, it, it does fit into 
a Washington's wheelhouse, though. Maybe take a couple of those big ends and guys that can project inside and do that type of thing. Like maybe Joseph Reef becomes the next Riley Mills. Like who right. could possibly be a thing. So a lot of names on the board. So make sure you guys are staying tuned to irishbreakdown.com as Ryan puts more of that stuff out. Like you had a an update today on uh, Marco Jones, who right now is a, a linebacker who's a big time player that would not shock me if someday he follows the Josh Burnham route to Viper. I mean, he's awesome. a big time football player. Man. So someone asked me about that though. I'm like, I want to keep that kid on the second level and just huh? use the blitz him from different spots. Like I don't want to see him, him playing that edge. will spot, right, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. Is that where you yeah, see him? Move. Yeah, same here. That kid can he's move, a... man. <laughs> and then if you want to have him rush a passer, then let him be like what Maris does on. Th- and Jalen, I was about to say they've done it with Maris. So, right. Like you don't have right. to have him be an edge full time to rush right. a passer if you want him. To. Yeah. So, now we've yeah. seen him do it with Marist and Jalen. So I mean, yeah. we know that they can develop that. But yeah, he's a he's a very talented football player. And from what I'm told, Ryan, and I know you've talked to him, likes their name a lot. So check out that update that Ryan has at irishbreakdown.com. You did an interview with him about the USC visit, just where things stand with Notre Dame. So definitely want to keep an eye on that. Definitely, definitely check that out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had Joe Allen with the question who said, there is some talk going around that Michigan should be banned from playing in the Big Ten championship game because of sign stealing. What are your thoughts? So, so Ryan, I'm, I'm going to kick this to you here in a second because I talked a lot okay. about this yesterday and you haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. Yep. I'm, a, I'm a big believer that you're, you're innocent until proven guilty in every, every facet, it, not just the criminal justice system, but everything in life. I mean, sure. you, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty, but there's very clear evidence that we are seeing that yes. it's like, I'm, I saw the video you and I were talking about beforehand where they have the camera on the, they're like, it's like on the field, but you can see the Ohio state coaches and that, that dude that's in charge of all this is like staring at the sidelines. He's got that, that thing in his hand. It's got all their signals on it. And as soon as he Ohio State makes a call, he says something. The entire sideline starts yelling and to the guys on the field. He's giving them the call. It's supposedly um, the guy that's already been let go. I forget his yes. name already. But he's like been the guy sus- that they're, Connor, whatever. Yeah. He's been suspended yeah. without pay or suspended with pay or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. you can tell that the entire team knows what he's doing. Right. So this whole rogue agent type of thing. No, they all knew he had their signs. They because then he yep. would make a call, and then the entire defense on that one clip's going like this. They're giving a signal like this, right? And you're like, they all know what's happening. They all know what's yes, happening. And yes, then the one photo has somebody else on the sideline that has the stuff with the signals. Yeah, and um, it's, it's not bad, good. man. It's, it's bad. I mean, they've they've already tracked like them being at games when they shouldn't be at games and doing it yeah. off of their own even because like I'm. Look, sign stealing happens everywhere, right? But like, there is there is a line that you can't cross. Yeah, it's okay if it's done organically. Signs. It's kind of like if yeah. you're if I'm at second base and you're a catcher yeah. and you're not doing a good enough job that masking your signals. That's part of the game. That's on you. If you have a camera set up in center field and you're stealing signals of the catcher from center field, that's cheating. Like if you if a pitcher tips his pitches and you figure it out. That's a competitive advantage. I'm, I'm I'm all for that. Don't tip your freaking pitches. 
right? But if you have a camera in center field basically saying, here comes the curveball, and then right. you're using a thing on your chest or you're using a trash can or whatever else the Astros are doing to get those signals yeah. in, that's cheating. That's cheating. cheating. Like, that is blatant. You know the rules. This isn't a yep. surprise. It's always been the rules. It's been the rules since Jim Harbaugh has been in coaching at every level. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't be videoing and, and doing those things. That's not, I picked up your signals during the game. I remember them from last year. You haven't changed them. It's right. not that. It's, no. it's, 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 it's way beyond the scope. So then the question then, Ryan, is what should be done about it? And right well, now, I, the, the I, Big I Ten is going to have to. That part, yeah, though. I need to think more about that. The but, Big Ten yeah, is going to have to make a tough decision here because yeah. you're going to look at it from twofold. Number one is, do you do you say Michigan can't play in the Big Ten championship? So what if they go beat Penn State, Ohio State? You're going to say our best team can't play in the Big Ten championship, but at the same time, you say, well, but what if Michigan gets into the playoff? and eventually has to vacate all those wins because it was very clear yeah. that they were cheating. You, you also like, don't want them to represent you when you know that they clearly have done ill. Correct. Like <laughs> old form of things. So, yeah. Like, so somebody said today, uh, well, actually it was on the, it was on the uh, CFB nation channel. They had Dan Walken on from sporting news and they were talking about it. And, and Dan Walken made the point, And I, I, I disagree with the point. I understand where he's coming from, but he said, you know, look, Michigan was good before all this. And I'm like, not really. Because this allegedly started in 21. What happened in 2020? Jim Harbaugh almost got fired because how bad Michigan was. And Michigan yeah. had been trending down the previous couple seasons, right? And and so they had just they were getting their butts kicked by Ohio State. They were struggling to beat Ohio State. And they were coming off of a really, I mean, they were a disastrous program during the COVID year. I mean, disastrous. And they were nine and four the year before, right? Um Got blown up by Ohio State, got blown out by Bama, lost, got blown out by Wisconsin, got beat by by Penn State. You go into the COVID year, and all of a sudden, over a two-year stretch, Michigan is 11-8. and 11-8 and eight the two previous years prior to their playoff run, 11-8. and eight. So they weren't good before. And then all of a sudden, this stuff starts happening in 2021, and all of a sudden, Michigan is this great football team, and they're a playoff team two years in a row, and now they're this great team. It, maybe it's a coincidence, Ryan. But it's just there's just too much there for me to believe that it's a coincidence because look, people say I can give you my playbook, Ryan. If you if if you and I are coaching against each other and I give you here's all the plays we're gonna run, that doesn't really help you unless yeah. I have in there here's what plays, here's when we're gonna call these plays. That's the thing is out of, you can out know of what formation and exactly. that type of thing. If yeah. you know exactly what's coming, like it's like you and I go into practice, you're the D coordinator, I'm the O coordinator, and we're gonna skim or grim each other. And I said, okay, Ryan, here's the 15 plays I'm going to run during the scrimmage. It's going to be a lot easier for you to stop my offense because you can say, okay, well, let's put ourselves in the perfect play every single time. And, and But you don't know that I got it. actually be a better example. One of my offensive coaches yeah. who I yelled at the day before says, hey, Ryan, here's the here's the script for the scrimmage today. And then you say, okay, oh, we're going to script the perfect defense. Well, I don't it's know, going to be a lot easier for you to stop me. You know what I mean? What, what, one year of coaching freshman football, uh, you could have gave me the entire script every single play, and we still wouldn't have stopped anything that year. So. <laughs> well, you, if you'd you had Michigan's play, I used to say, everyone, Brian, okay. we used, yeah. I used to just yell SOS, SOS. One of my favorite weeks of, of coaching was uh, my first year. I was coaching at Wittenberg, and I was in charge of running the scout team defense as one of the offensive coaches. And our head coach said to me, he's like, because we're playing Wabash, who's at head coach at the time was Chris Creighton, who's now at Eastern Michigan. 
and they ran a really aggressive defense and he was like, look, I just want you to throw everything at us. So like, I'm just like making up blitzes. Is this all process? Like if, you know, so eventually got to the point of the second day where it's like, okay, it's enough. Enough. Cause like the stuff you're doing is like really unsound and all that, but just like, we're, we're just trying to be disruptive. But the, po- the point being in, in all seriousness, it is not the same as like, you know, steal, it's not it's not about stealing signs. I feel like it's being mislabeled. It's about sign. No, this isn't about sign stealing. This is about blatant cheating where you're yeah. essentially it's it's to me. It's no different than if you've tapped into their their frequency of their headphones and you're and you're you're getting the calls like it's no different than if you had that, you know, and, and to me, it's like, are, are they going to have to vacate these wins? You know, or, or I mean. We're, we're going to find out. And so if you're the, the NCA will not act in time to impact the season. It's, I mean, does the big 10, I mean, how quickly do this investigation? Michigan is saying they're going to be, you know, you can say all you want that we're going to be open to it, but are they going to really be open? Or are they just going to, are they going to, could you, know, you imagine circle the wagons? Michigan, could you imagine if Michigan won a national championship and then NCAA had to do their repercussions after the fact? Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and look, I, I get it. Michigan fans like all the cheating that goes on in the sec. Okay. That's fine. But that's a different kind of cheating. That's more and, of that everybody's doing it cheating. You know, like everybody well, and, and, pays players and all that kind of stuff. And I think people lose the sight of one thing, Brian. And I know this is going to sound a little like, I, I don't even know how it's going to sound. But you're also stupid enough to get caught. Don't be stupid enough to get caught if you're going right. to cheat also. I mean, like, right. ugh, it's so dumb, man. And I, so I am dumb. curious kind of how they got caught. I mean, you know, like, it sounds like he was buying it with his own money. It's like, dude, get a fake credit card with somebody else's name on it. Like, sadly, it's not that hard to do. Don't you have, don't you have interns or like assistants or something like, or buddies? Hey man, get some of your military buddies to just buy tickets to games. And then, cause like the way it is now, Ryan, it's like, everything's digital. So my, I can give my buddy 200 bucks. He can go buy tickets and then send the, you know, forward them to me. And nobody's going to know, nobody's going to be the wiser. Oh, or, wow. you Jim, know. Jim Harbaugh's coming to the game this week. Like, yeah, <laughs> like what the heck, man? So Ugh, it's God. a really bad look. And, and I and I and, and there's no way you can convince me that people didn't know. There's no way uh, you can no, convince me that people didn't know. They definitely knew. They, they clearly knew he had the signals. You can tell the way that they're acting on the sidelines. Yeah. And, and and here's the thing we're going to find out, too, man, is is. uh, Are the if, if they're not able to still do it. I mean, Penn State's going to now have to change up their signals, right? Ohio State's going to change up their signals. And apparently, the sign stealing is going to stop now because you'd think, because, you know, now that that it's known. But uh, you know what I feel so bad about? I feel bad that, like, now, like, every, all the, all the eyes are getting pointed that that Connor guy that got right. let go, which is like, dude, he should be told what to do, and he did it. Exactly. We're gonna act like he's the guy that made this whole situation right. and, up. And like, even if he man. was, yeah. they knew he was doing it. There's no way you can tell me he wasn't doing it. You know, and um, yeah, he he's being uh, D D uh, Troll Hunter said it perfectly. He's the fall guy, right? He's the fall guy. And then now you got to ask yourself, like, is there becoming a, 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 um, what is the expression they use? A lack of institutional control of your football program. They've had to sacrifice game practice times because they've done illegal practicing. Remember that a couple of years ago, yeah. Ryan, they got in trouble for that. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh got suspended for three games because of the recruiting stuff. Now you've got this at some point in time, you got to say, do they get the hammer? Not you know uh, for lack want, of institutional control and I want, scholarships, I the, fire coaches, and all that. 
the people that he sent into these games, I wonder if he's at least buying them cheeseburgers like he is his recruits. Seriously. I don't know if he is or Seriously. not. Well, I love it how the guy that uh, the guy that's making fifty grand a year is the guy that you know everybody's everybody's blaming for this, right? Like, where's he getting the money it's, to pay for all this stuff, too? By the way, it, it was such an obvious scapegoat, too. You're just like, guys, yeah. like that that guy did wrong, but like he's being told what wrong to exactly. do. Exactly. And, <laughs> and again, even if you go all the way to granting the premise that I think I find hard to believe that he came up with this all on his own, once he presents that. Where do they think he's getting this from? Right. Where do they think he's getting all this information from? Right. I mean, so it's just the whole thing is just ridiculous. And so to me, you know what I would honestly do, Ryan, is I would kind of let the season play out a little bit and just continue my investigation and then hope that Penn State and Ohio State handle business, honestly. Because Mm -hmm. if that happens, then you don't have to worry about banning them from the Big Ten title game. I mean, and then maybe like once the Ohio State game is done, then that Sunday, maybe you announce that Sunday that, you know, but now you have egg on your face because, okay, well, the, they just won the league and now you've got to remove them and send Ohio State. And it, it, it's a bad it's, look. It's so gonna, they're, they're going to be tricky spot, this man. late in the season, man. It's going to be very They're in a tough spot. Late. They're in a yeah. very tough spot. But that's what, if you're them, you just got to hope that Penn State and Ohio State handle business. Like the people in the, the main office, of the big 10 are probably like the biggest Ohio state fans right now. Just like oh, Ohio yeah. state, please run the table just and beat them. <laughs> yes. And don't even like leave this up to them. You know what I mean? Just handle your business and just like, don't make us make this decision. Cause it's not, people can say whatever they want. It's not an easy decision. It really isn't because now yeah. you run the risk of, okay, do you get left out of the college football playoff because of this? You know, hey, look, let's say Michigan goes out and blows Ohio state out and they, and they blow Penn state out. And then they're, 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 they're the, you know, okay, then the NCAA says, okay, well, fine, we're not going to let Michigan play in the college football playoff. And then you missed your chance to get Ohio State in. Because if Ohio State loses mm-hmm. to Michigan in a close game and then goes to the Big Ten title game and wins the Big Ten and Michigan's not an option, Ohio State's getting in the playoff. Yep. Right? So it, uh, it's not it's not as an easy decision, I think, as people think. As fans, it's easy for us to say, ah, oh, screw them, don't let them play. But it it's just not that simple because if you're going to still let them play games, Ryan, then there's a chance they could go beat all the teams that you're going to have eligible for the college football playoff. That's the problem. What if they go out and beat Ohio state by 40? You know what I mean? Like now all of a sudden you don't have a big 10 rep in the college football playoff because Michigan's not eligible and Ohio state's just got smashed. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough spot. I I used to, I used to think that Jim was an honest person, man. He has not been the same since those boogers. He has not been the same. That that really always the toxic boogies. Ryan always takes it back to the boogies. Um, I don't even know where to go that's, with that. That's where it went wrong, Ryan. That's where okay. it went wrong. Okay. I oh, know you have two children right now, Ryan. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah. They also eat the boogies. And they'll tell you about it too afterwards. Like, Daddy, I just ate a boogie. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. I'm going to have to tell my wife about that conversation. So, anyway, good. Good. let's go to this next one, Ryan. Archer four five two says, speaking of, of offensive line, how do you feel about the projected offensive line for next year? Who replaces Joe Alt as it stands right now? Who would be your best guess for the starting five? It's an interesting question. Yeah, I uh, what I would do, Ryan, is I would. Um, I mean, right now, I think you head into spring. Tosh Baker is going to get a shot to to start that at left tackle. He'll get a shot. 
Yeah. And then you kind of say, okay, what kind of growth does Emil Wagner make? Can he play left-handed? He's a guy that I would consider for that spot, you, although he's been a pure right I, tackle so far. I, I, I would not move Blake Fisher. I just would no, not move if, Blake Fisher. I if I was going to right now, based on how he's yeah. playing, no. I mean, yeah. if, if I'm going to move Blake Fisher right now, it's moving guard. him to guard, not <laughs> yeah. left tackle. Now, yeah. could that change in the next four games? Sure. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. Blake Fisher's done nothing right now to make me think he can handle playing left tackle. He's Agreed. physically capable of it, certainly. Yeah. Yep. But but right now he's going to have to play better. So it's it, you know it's Tosh, it's Emil Wagner, it's Charles Jagasaw, or if yep. Blake steps up and shows himself. I mean, the ideal scenario, Ryan, is that the next four weeks Blake Fisher steps up and plays the way he's capable. Plays out of his mind. Yeah. That's the yeah. ideal scenario, because his lo- lo- loss of weight and all that could help. It, it's not going to hurt him at left tackle, but. He hasn't been very good in pass pro, at least consistent in pass pro. He'll just he still whiffs on guys. You can't have your left tackle doing that. I don't think it was a flexibility issue for Blake. And I think I know I think that's probably why he wanted to lose the weight to be a little bit more flexible, a little yeah. bit foot quickness and stuff. But like his his technique's just not great, man. Right. And I actually don't think Blake's the longest guy of all time. That's kind of something that I've noticed a little bit more as I've been yeah. watching. But yeah, I mean, I, I would love just a it's got to be a battle at left tackle as of today, yeah. right? I mean, like, yeah, of course, Tosh is a veteran. He's played a little bit. Like, he's going to get a crack. Emil Wagner. I really, I'm really interested to see what a full first spring of Charles Jagasaw looks like as well. I want to see what he looks like with the whole spring because mm-hmm. obviously he wasn't an early enrollee last year dealing with the meniscus and he wanted to wrestle, obviously. So I'll be very interested. I mean, right now – you have a bunch of incumbents inside, but like I, I haven't seen anything from the guards either that I just feel like, yep, locked in the starting. Yeah. Like it's it should be a battle, man. It should be it a should battle be. all around. I yeah. would consider moving Pat Coogan to center and let him battle with Ashton Craig, is what I would consider. I, I you've got to get Billy Shrouth into the lineup. I'm sorry, you just yeah. do. You do. Yeah. If you you can't just, well, this guy knows what to do. Okay, then you're a freaking coach. Teach the talented kid how to play. I mean, Honestly, Ryan, coming into next season in this spring, there's nobody right now that if Zeke Carell doesn't come back, there's nobody yeah. that's just like, yep, that's. I'm cu- I'm curious about starter. Zeke in general too. See I mean, what he's going to do. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just sure. I'm right now because he's a six year guy. I'm assuming he leaves until told otherwise. That's kind of how I'm going to be with Howard Cross. That's how I'm going to be with a lot of these six year guys. Is just because I don't know. I don't. I don't know either side. I don't know if they'll be asked back. I don't know if they'll want to come back. I don't. I don't. I don't have a clue. I mean, I don't know. Every kid's different, and so this is still, you know, still a little bit uncharted territory because it's not because of devastating multiple injuries over the years like yeah. it used to be with six-year guys. I will say this: all due respect to Zeke, if he wants to come back, I'd be open to it, obviously. But like, I'm kind of excited to see Ashton Craig and just a little sure. bit I've seen of him, man. I'm kind of excited yeah. to see him. He's an center, athletic but, kid, and he, he yeah. brings a little bit more length to the position. Yep. So, but right now, I mean, there's nobody on the offensive. And that's why I was a little disappointed by Coach Freeman's comment yesterday. Yeah, they're just going to roll with the starters they have. And I'm like, they haven't done anything to me to, to make me think that they just, the the two guards and just deserve to just keep being trotted out there, especially right. you know, with Pat Coogan at left tackle. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, So, I mean, I, I all, all bets are off. I mean, do I move Pat to center? Do I, you know, do I move Billy Shrouth to center and let him compete with Ashton? I don't. I don't know the answers to that. You know how much of a, you know, how comfortable are you with Pat? Yep. Pat Billy Ashton probably Coogan would be a pretty in? good center, don't you think? Yeah. He'd probably be a pretty good center. Potentially, Billy, yeah. Man. But yeah. I just, I just, he's so physical that I yeah. really want to see that at guard. I just, uh, you know, Pat Coogan does his job, and he's a tough kid, but he does his job. Billy Shrouth can be a mover. 
And we've yeah. even seen that in the limited snaps he's had this year, Ryan. Is yeah, he'll have a he'll have, you know still inconsistent redshirt freshman, but man, when he when he comes off with good pad level and gets his hands on you, he moves you. Yeah. And they need that. So there, there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, honestly, I don't even know if I can tell you who I think the starting five is going to be, other than just promoting the current depth chart, which is, you know, it's 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 Blake Fisher at right tackle. It's yeah. it's uh you know it's Tosh Baker at left tackle, and the two guards come back, and Ashton Craig at center. I mean that that's that's right now the only thing I could say, just because that's where the current depth chart is. I don't, but I yeah. highly doubt I would I would be surprised if we don't see like Emil Wagner get a chance to to win one of those jobs. You know, may, do they do they need to like people said in the past, you know, hey, the way you can convince Blake to come back is by offering him left tackle job. And I'm like, the way you convince Blake to come back right now is, dude, you're not going to be a first or second round draft. A- ask him to send his his information into the advisory board for yeah. the NFL, and that will convince him to come back to school. Is all I have right, to say about that. right, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. And so he should come back. You know, does yeah. it? Does Jagasaw have a breakout? Does Sullivan Absher have a breakout? You know. There's there's so many questions that I have, Ryan. I, I really hope Charles Jagasaw breaks out, man. I think that kid can be absolutely special if he figures it out. But yeah. Yep. All right. Last couple here, Ryan. Okay. David Jones, do you guys feel that we have yet to see the best of Joe Rudolph's coaching, or is he who he is? I just get the feeling the offensive line would not have the struggles they have had at times with Harry Heastan here. Well, I mean, I David, it also it also would have been Harry Heastan's second year with that group right and harry Heaston is by all regards a better offensive line coach than joe rudolph i mean so yeah right. sure but like that's not a fair comparison though i don't think that's 100 percent a fair comparison but. well it, well i think it's a it's a it's a fair statement right it just lacks some context that's yes. what i would say ryan is yes is you're, you're you're usually going to be? I mean, think about Al Golden in year. I mean, Al Golden lost Isaiah Foskey, lost Jason Adamiola, lost Tariq Gracie from last year's team, and the defense has been way better. Are 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 we to believe that they're way better because Foskey left? Right. Or it's year two of the system. You and I talked about it all off season. They know him better. He knows them better. Right. That would have been true with Coach Eastand this season. Yep. And as you mentioned, Harry Heastan is considered one of the elite offensive line coaches and on any level of football in, in recent right? year, like recent, right. Like the last right. decade, <laughs> right. which it amazes years, me. There's still Notre Dame fans that don't realize that it just, it blows yeah. my mind. How many people think they know offensive line play that just have no clue about offensive line play. Yeah. Uh, I even just had somebody say that to me recently that people would say, Oh, here's the one. I think I told you this, Ryan guy tells me, well, the, the knock on Heastan, according to others, is that he could develop individual alignment, but not great offensive lines. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you said that. So the you offensive that. line that only gave up eight sacks the entire 2014 season, you know, or 13 season wasn't a, a great unit. The 2012 unit wasn't a, didn't play as well as together. That was about, about an individual piece. The 2015 O line was just a great, a bunch of individuals. I was like, even in 2016, the offensive line was pretty good in 2016. You had two All Americans off that team. And and the right. offensive line wasn't your problem that season. It was your everything else. And uh, there just there were so many of those just weird takes that I yeah. see. Like the 2017 line wasn't great as a unit. I mean the 2018, you know, unit was was good. Well, who who coached all those guys? Yeah, Jeff Quinn was the O line coach, but who coached all those guys? Who built all those guys? So just this is some weird takes. But I'll just answer it this way, David. I hope that we have not seen the best of Joe Rudolph. I, I, and, I don't, and, I, I don't... and I have to believe that we haven't because of what Ryan said. It's like he's yeah. in game eight with yep. this group. Yep. 
And yeah. I, I don't think we've seen the best of Joe Rudolph. I think the question that you're going to be, because David, you do have Harry Heastan fresh on the brain, who is one of the best offensive line coaches probably in recent college football history, right? Is it ever going to be as good as Harry Heastan? Probably not, right? But is it going to be better in year two than it was in year one? I think law of averages say that yes. So I believe that we have not yeah. seen the best of Joe Rudolph. Is it going to be to the level that you need it to be? That's the question that's, you need to ask yourself. That's, that's the question. The question. Yeah. And is this who he is? To a degree, that could be true. But I, I just think with experience comes greater consistency. Just don't know if it's going to be yep. great. Yep. That's what we're still still learning. So, Agreed. yeah. I, and, and again, Ryan, this is this is consistent for us. We've yep. said this about Al Washington. Yeah, the first year wasn't good, but some it guys that <laughs> kind of bought into it had, were gone. Yep. Now there's more buy-in in year two. And now look at the D line. They're they're better than they were last year, despite not having a borderline first round draft pick playing Viper for him. Yep. Right. You know, you, 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 you see it a, a lot. You, you look at Dylan McCullough, how much better his running back room is this year, despite it being way younger than it was yep. a year ago. You lost you know? off, off that defensive line. You lost one kid that went to the senior bowl last year who got drafted in almost in the first round. And you lost another kid that went to the NFL PA bowl at defensive tackle. So like right. you lost a couple talented kids off that defensive line right. and got better. So I would agree. Same thing for Jared Parker. Like, is he the guy? We don't know the answer to that yet. Either way, yeah. he's going to be better next year than he was this year. The question is, is it going to be good enough to right. compete for championship? Those are fair questions. Yep. And um, we, we and, and there and it, it if we were to say if I were to sit here and say Ryan say yeah this is who Joe Rudolph is well it, it that wouldn't be nothing but but confirmation bias from someone who didn't necessarily love the hire to begin with. That's a hundred percent of what it would be, yeah. based on how they've played. Because yes, they've had some moments, but they've also had some good moments. Yeah, I mean, this is still the same guy that got that line to play at in a very high level against Ohio State. Go go watch how Ohio's how Penn State's O line played against that same defense this past week with supposedly the best left tackle in college football playing for him. Right. So. It, it, JT gave him some issues this whole, weekend too, yeah, by the way. So Getting that's my whole issues. thing, Ryan, is if I were to say yes to that, like this is who he is, that'd be nothing but, I, I, hey, Brian, you're biased because you didn't think he should have been the guy to begin with. And that's right. 100% what that would be. It's 100% sure. what that would be. We've seen enough good to believe that it definitely can get better. But that's what these next four games are going to be about for me, Ryan. You've got mm -hmm. the bye week. It's now time to settle these guys in. If he is the coach that we think he is, we should see at least some more consistency in these final four games. A little bit right. more consistent consistency. And and this offseason is going to tell us a lot too because you're starting from scratch a little bit with losing Joe Alt. Like you need to figure yeah. that situation out. You know what I mean? So, yep. yeah. All right. Last two here, okay. Ryan. And that Andrew one. Gilmore says, much of the Notre Dame media believe Al Golden is likely gone after this year. Has Notre Dame tried to approach him for an extension? He's done a wonderful job this year. Maybe a pay bump could keep him around. Possibly. I think Al Golden is not necessarily looking for a pay bump just because. I mean, of course, I did a good job. I deserve to be rewarded for it, right? I mean, if I didn't do a good job, I'd be looking for a new job, right? Not by my choice. So certainly the job he's done this year to me warrants the, if he finishes, because see, here's how yeah. I am, right? I am not, I am not negotiating contracts during a season. If I'm an AD, 
Because yeah. I'm like, you got you got four games left to play, man. You know, so like, okay, well, let me ask you this. If you guys don't play well the next four games, can I renegotiate the contract and pay you less money next year? Oh, nope. no? Inks dry. Okay. Inks dry. Yep. Yeah. All right, then how, here's here's the deal. How about we wait till after the season, and then we'll talk about it. Now, once the season's over and these things continue and the defense plays the way that I think, Ryan, you and I both believe it will, yeah, I'm sitting down and probably strongly consider offering him a contract. I just, but at the same time, as a head coach, you also need to be someone who, who wants your coaches to achieve the personal and professional development that they desire. And right. I don't think being the D coordinator at Notre Dame is the ultimate goal for Al Golden. And if I'm Marcus Freeman and he wants to take that look at something else, then I support that because I don't know how much hotter he can get right now because the perception is, and the reality is, is what he's doing right now is not with a lot of first round draft picks on this defense. There aren't. I mean, Benjamin Morrison, is there anybody else that you view as a potential first round draft pick right now that's playing a ton on this defense? No, not right now. No. Mostly what? Mostly day three guys, would you say, Ryan? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say most of them? Yeah. A couple D two yeah, like scattered border, in there. Border, borderline draftable guys. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. I think he's just. I think he's getting the most out of a lot of his players right now, yeah. which is awesome. It's great, and that's that's what's going to really impress people. Like if he was doing this and he'd had Jalen Smith at will and Sheldon Day yeah. at three technique and Riley Mills at nose and you had Isaiah Foskey at Viper and you had Stephon Tuitt at big end and or Khalid Kareem even or you know oh, okay you've got you've got you know. Manti at Mike or take or Drew Tranquil at Mike or whatever. And and you've got Alohi Gilman and you've got Kyle Hamilton at safety. All right. Yeah, dude, you shouldn't have an elite or, or, defense. Or even Al Al Golden is a Penn State guy, obviously. If he was a defensive coordinator for Penn State right now, all due respect to Manny yes. Diaz, because I actually think he's a good defensive coordinator. But if he was doing this with the talent that Penn State has on defense, because no. there's a lot of first round picks on that defense, I'd be like, Yes doing what you should be doing you with that do. defense you exactly. know what i mean like, exactly yeah, sure so i, I i'm i'm I, I think he's doing a, a heck of a job brian now we got, got to close he this is going to be the chance for him to strike while the iron's hot to either a become an nfl d coordinator if that's his desire yeah. or or potentially to be a a college head coach again same thing with Dela McCullough. If Dela McCullough wants to stay at Notre Dame, I, well, I'll get you whatever pay raise you need to make that happen. But if Tom Allen gets fired, I'm doing everything I can as Jack Swarbrick and Marcus Freeman to get him the Indiana job. Why? Because that's what he wants, and that's his goal, and it's good for him, and it's good for us to help that. And because sure. here's the thing, it's going to make it a lot. It's going to make it may, way easier for you to replace Al Golden and Dela McCullough because they got huge promotions. Because now people say, hey. You want to be a Big Ten head coach? Go to Notre Dame and, you know, coach that incredible room, and then you can go get this opportunity. Go be the D coordinator for this team, and you'll get that opportunity, and and there you go. I mean, it, it, but if, if those opportunities don't come, then you say, hey, Al, I know what you want to do. Yep. But just so you know, if those opportunities don't come, we want you back, and here's the offer we're going to make for you. Sure. Right? We support, hey, Dylan. Buddy, you did a great job. Here's the pay bump you're going to get. If you choose to stay, we'd love to keep you, but we also understand you're going to go interview for that Indiana job. You're going to go interview for that other whatever job because you want to be a head football coach. You support that, but you also let them know, hey, man, we want you back, and here's the right. offer you met. So I think that's how Notre Dame should approach Al Golden this offseason. It's like, look, man, we, we want you to back. We, we love what you're doing, but um, if if that's the choice that they make, but we also understand you're going to you're going to um, – what, what, Go what make a those change? Moves. What a change one offseason makes, Brian. I can just yeah. imagine it now. 
Al Golden leaves us off season and everyone's, oh my gosh, yeah. what is Notre Dame going to do? It's and like, you know what? what? They'll be fine. <laughs> they'll be fine. And that's yeah. the thing is they'll be fine because Marcus Freeman knows exactly what he wants from his defense. That's yep. the side of the ball I'm least concerned about him making a good hire on. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I just am. And if he thinks Mike Mickens is ready for that job, if he thinks Mike Mickens and Al Washer are ready for that job, go for it. Okay. Because I that's one thing. I trust him. I don't necessarily trust him to maybe make some offensive hires at this point in time. I don't. But if Mike, if he if he doesn't think Mike Mickens and Al Washington are ready, I trust that because he's he he knows them. But if sure. he thinks they are ready, then I trust that too. He's earned a level of trust on that side of the ball because of how well this defense is playing and because of his background doing that as well, in my opinion. Yep. So, um, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at. If Al Golden leaves. Good for Al Golden because it means he's getting the kind of promotion he wants and and has earned with what he's done at Notre Dame, guys. And what he's earned, I mean, think of, and think about what he's done the last two years and who he's done it against. Ryan, two games against Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, Drake May, Spencer Rattler, Tanner McKee. Uh, I know I'm leaving somebody off. Uh, that was an, another quarterback. I thought they fit Jaron Hall against BYU last year. Riley Leonard and both years the Ohio State receiving core. The USC receiving core the last two years, the North Carolina receiving core last year, which was, I mean, I did see a box score yesterday that had a whole lot of catches and yards for Josh Downs. Five for one twenty-five this week. And so he's done this against some really good offenses and NFL talent, and he's going to have a resume the last two years. Says I held CJ Stroud to a season low. We shut down Drake May. We just embarrassed Caleb Williams on national TV. We shut down Riley Leonard. Like, there's a lot of quarterbacks that you all think are great players in the NFL, and look what my defense did to them with J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser and Howard Cross. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to be coveted, in my opinion. And um, and it, But if he wants to stay in college, stay in Notre Dame? All right, cool. If he doesn't, then Notre Dame will be okay because I, I trust Marcus Freeman to make the hire necessary to get him to that to that level. I do. But, yeah, I can't wait for that, Ryan, when all these people that wanted him fired a year ago are like, oh, they're going to suck next year because Al Golden's gone. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's fantastic. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and uh, take us out of here, man. Well, thank you all so much for the support because we wouldn't be able to do this show or have this mailbag right now if it wasn't for you all. So before you leave, you can just hit that like button for us. We very much appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend. Make sure you hit that notification bell as well. You'll know when every show this weekend is going to pop up, so you all will be ready and willing to go. Make sure to go to boards.irishbreakdown.com. As Brian said, we'll have some intel for you all this week coming out of the bye, working towards the final stretch of the Notre Dame season. Thank you all again, and we will talk to you very soon here on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.